this term, uh, as we lead into uh, this year, as we're kicking into it, that uh, it might be a good thing for us to be looking at what Paul's last words, the Apostle Paul's last words were to Timothy, uh, as they're a great encouragement to him as they headed off, and uh, so we thought maybe it was a good thing for us to encourage you with as well. So we're going to be looking through 2 Timothy this term. Next week we're actually going to be hearing from John. John Gill's going to be speaking to us. He's going to go and uh, look at Jesus calming the storm. So we'll have a little bit of a break in that. Uh, but then uh, we'll come back to 2 Timothy after that. So uh, because my eye, the eye operation happened, it was great that John was around. I could uh, quickly ask him and he said, yes, I'll be able to preach. So it'll be excellent to hear from John next week. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, open them up to 2 Timothy for us. And we looked at the first couple of verses last week, and this week we're looking at verses 8 to 12. Uh, You'll see it's on the screen, or you can open up your Bibles and look at it, or you can uh, flip your phone on, iPad, whatever device you're using at the moment uh, to look at God's Word. But if you can open up, that'd be great, and we can look through it together. Uh, So that verse right before this was the one that we just did with the kids, and uh, so verse 8 follows directly onto that. So Paul's encouraging Timothy to not be timid to know he has the spirit and the spirit of power. And uh, so he says after that, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner. Rather join with me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your word. We thank you that through uh, your people... Uh, You spoke and you entrusted to them to write down what you had to say and bring to the world, Uh, bring to the people then and bring to us now. We pray, Father, that as we look at your word together now this morning, that, Lord, we'll be encouraged to not be timid, but to know the power of your spirit within us to live for you, Lord. Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll guide and direct us this morning and we won't be people that are just hearers of your word uh, but we'll go out and live it lord we pray this in jesus name amen well many of you would know that i am one-eyed in a number of ways and particularly in sport Uh, one of the ones that i am one-eyed with is not just queensland or the broncos but i'm even more one-eyed for the hawks hawthorne Uh, for those of you who know Uh, I grew up in Tasmania, in Launceston, and even before Hawthorne was popular in Launceston and played in Launceston, I supported the Hawks. I'm a true blue believer. Uh, Been with them from the beginning. Uh, We've had some very good years. We've had some very lean years. Uh, But through all of that, I've kept the faith. I've stuck with Hawthorne. Uh, Just a couple of years ago, we won three in a row. To remind anyone here about that. You know, Collingwood supporters, never done that. Uh, Three in a row, we had that. Uh, but a number of years ago, when I was a little bit younger, uh, and it was the 1986 grand final that Hawthorne played Geelong. And now, we beat Geelong. Not unusual, but really good. We did beat them, only just so in the end. 
But what I did because of that and because of my confidence in Hawthorne is I took my brown Renault 12. You know, what a great car. First vehicle ever. I think my parents bought that or told me to buy that because you can't do any damage in a Renault 12. Doesn't go over 200 Ks. Pretty much the safest vehicle on the road at the time and the ugliest. So you can't pick up any women either. But you know, that was the vehicle I had. And the one good thing about it, it was brown. And that's what Hawthorne was. And so what I did was, in this 1986 grand final, is I wrapped that car in yellow streamers and I put the number of my favourite players on the front and the back and I taped the Hawthorne theme song over and over onto a cassette tape. You know what they are, all right? Cassette tape. And when Hawthorne won, one of the good things about this Renault 12, it actually had a decent stereo system, uh, I put the tape in I wound the windows down and me and another Hawthorne mate drove round Launceston for hours with that blaring out our windows, just round and round and round. And if you want, I can sing it for you now. We're the happy club at Hawthorne. No. So we had that going on and on and on. It's amazing how confident we can be when we know that we're on a winner. It's amazing how confident we can be when we think we've got a great message to share. People go to all sorts of lengths, don't they, to show how much confidence they have in something or a team or whatever. This is the Indian supporters group at the moment at the cricket and they are as confident as you can get at the moment. They are out of this realm. Just the other day I saw a bloke from India and he was from top to bottom in zinc cream in the, this flag. He had the colours all completely. Unbelievable, isn't it? You see, when our confidence level is to the extreme, then we will tell everyone. We will stand out and look stupid because we're confident in that. How confident are you in Jesus? Where's your confidence level in Jesus? Now, some of us might have been right up the top end, but some of us might be right down the bottom, or some of us might be all over the place in that. Because sometimes it's not easy, is it? Sometimes we don't feel that confidence and sometimes we feel a little bit ashamed. There's moments when uh, we want to keep it quiet. There's moments when we don't want to speak it out. There's moments when we don't tell people what we're doing on Sunday morning. There's moments when we don't want to tell people what we get to do during the week with others on a Tuesday night or a Monday night at a gospel community. There's moments when we really do feel timid. And you're not alone. You're not the only one. There's moments when you feel that way. There's moments when I feel that way. There's moments when my confidence swings all the way around on that spectrum. Well, it wasn't just you and it's not just me. It was also Timothy. Paul's writing to Timothy 
one of the great leaders of the early church, one who goes on and preaches the gospel and tells people about Jesus for the whole of his life and has an amazing impact for centuries. This amazing guy, Timothy, who would have seen Jesus and knew Jesus and knew Paul, is timid and scared. There's moments when he finds it hard as well. And so Paul writes to him to give him a G up, to give him a punch in the arm, to give him an encouragement to encourage him to have greater confidence, to go out and share that with Jesus. See, that's a great thing for us, isn't it, too? So Paul is speaking to Timothy, who's been timid about it. His confidence is low, and we feel that all the time, too. So this is a great word for you and I this morning. It's a great word as we go into 2019, where maybe 2018 we felt that we didn't quite live it out. Maybe our confidence dropped through the years. Maybe we felt a little bit down about it. Maybe you didn't. Maybe your confidence is high. But in all of it, this is a great letter to all of us, isn't it? As we head into 2019 to increase our confidence in Jesus. And that's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, so do not be ashamed, be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, our Lord or of me, his prisoner. So Paul's saying to Timothy, don't be ashamed to testify. Don't be ashamed to tell. Don't be ashamed to get out there and put it on your stereo loud so that everybody can hear. Don't be ashamed, Timothy, because our Lord is great. Don't be ashamed of me. I may be in jail. I may look really frail and out of it. It may look things are dead and gone, but they're not, Timothy. Be confident, mate. Be confident in who this Jesus is. Because our confidence can go all over the place, can't we? We can have fears, we can have worries, we can have anxiety, we can have negativity. There are moments when we're unsure how this is all going to come together. Does this all fit together? Does this make sense? Does this really fit? Is this Jesus guy who he really says he is? Has he done what he says he's done? Does it really change your life? There's moments when we get pessimism, don't we? We get anxiety, all those things are there. But Paul wants to bring us this morning and encourage us to have the confidence. He's going to focus us in on just two things this morning I want to bring us to. Two things to give us the confidence to go out and live a life that we're not ashamed of. Not ashamed to speak. He wants to bring our confidence level up so that we can get out there and share Jesus together. The first thing he wants to do is he wants to encourage us that knowing the truth and experiencing the truth gives confidence. Knowing the truth and experiencing the truth gives us confidence to go and live it out and to speak it. And so that's what Paul's going to do. He's going to go through now and in this next couple of verses he's going to tell us you can know this is true, Paul. And you're going to, sorry, Timothy, and you're going to experience that it's true, Timothy, so go out and live it. You're going to have the confidence to do it. He wants you to have that confidence this morning too. So look at what he says there. He says in verse 9, uh, This Jesus, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. 
First and foremost, he says to Timothy, that there is nothing that you can do. It's only Jesus who saves. It's only him. He's the only one. There's nothing else that can do it. Nothing else will save you. You can try anything else in life, but only Jesus will do it. Now, if you're a person who's thinking about Christianity, I'm going to explain that a little bit more for you in a second, but if you're someone who's questioning that, you might say, ah, don't think about that. Well, actually, no, you're actually thinking of other things that save you too. We all have saviours. Saviours are the things that we live for and we think are going to give us purpose and life now, and if you want to think further, it's going to give you life eternity. And we all have them, whether you believe in Jesus yet or not. There is something that you think is going to give you life now, that's going to save you now, and you'll put everything into it, be it money, be it family, be it career, be it the best sportsman you're going to be, you'll find something. And you'll find that that won't save you. If you're someone who thinks about God and thinks about Jesus and you think, well, if I'm going to be good enough, if I do the right things, if I can do this or I can do that, maybe I can get on the good side of God, maybe I can do enough good things to be with God, the answer is that won't save you either. Nothing saves you apart from Jesus because only Jesus has been through life, death and resurrection and no one else has except him. You see, only Jesus saves. Nothing else and no one else. And if we put our trust in anything else, it will destroy us and it will let us down. That's what Paul's saying, Timothy. Trust in that, Timothy. You know that. It's the only one. He's the only one. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. He has saved us. Jesus saved us. He's the only one. It's through Jesus Christ who's done that for us. Now, who knows where this is? Sharkies. That's right. It's Shark Bay in Evans Head. A beautiful beach. Gorgeous beach. But of a lot of beaches in Evans Head and anywhere along the coast, there's rips. Uh, there's one rip particularly that's along the side of the wall and sometimes there can be a rip in the middle as well if you're not careful. A couple of years ago, I was swimming there with our family and there was a friend of ours by the name of Chris who was with us. Uh, actually, he wasn't with us. He was just there swimming. And uh, we were on the beach and as we were watching, we noticed that Chris started to get into danger. Uh, he lost his footing. He got caught in a rip. Uh, he also had a colostomy bag, this Chris, this friend of ours, and that had got displaced and he'd actually fainted in the middle of the water. And, and we were sitting on the beach there thinking, oh, that doesn't look good. Uh, thankfully, one of my boys had a surfboard. We were able to get in and we got Chris, we got him up onto the surfboard, we got him off, out of the water and up onto the beach. Now, Chris would have died if someone wasn't there to save him. There was no way he could save himself. He was caught in a rip. Uh, other things had gone wrong with him physically as well and he was getting taken out. But it was only as someone stepped in to get him that pulled him out that allowed him to be saved. Uh, you see, each of us and every one of us are in a rip of life. Uh, this life is going to take us out and destroy us if something doesn't happen. 
Either it will destroy us now or we will end up facing God at the end of this time and if we're not right with him, that rip's going to take us into what we sang about his wrath and we'll be destroyed by him. We will be in a place that we don't want to be. We're separated from him in hell. That is not a good place to be. We're in that rip and everyone's in that rip. But Jesus steps into that and pulls us out of that rib through his life, death and resurrection on the cross, uh, resurrection from the cross, as he rose from the dead, he defeats death, he defeats the rib, he defeats the stuff that got us into the rib in the first place, and he says, now you can be right with me forever. I can save you and I have saved you, and the resurrection is the confirmation that he has saved him and saves us. You see, Timothy is saying, Paul is saying to Timothy, you can have 100% confidence in this because it's the only way you'll be saved, Timothy. And you can have confidence in this, Timothy, that it's the only way anyone will be saved. Anyone. You see, every one of us and everyone in this world is caught in that rip. The rip of sin, the rip of death, the rip of our lives lived against God and not for him. We're caught in it. Unless someone pulls it out of it, we're taken out. But someone has. Jesus has stepped in. Jesus stepped in and did that and took the rip for us and pulls us out and places us on solid ground and he gives us life. That is wonderful news, people. Can I encourage you to have confidence in that? Because nothing else holds water. Everything else is sinking sand. Only Jesus saves. Paul wants Timothy to know that. Paul wants Timothy to have confidence in that. Paul wants Timothy to be able to go out and share that. Paul wants you and I to have the same confidence to go out and share that. Because you know if we don't share that, then how do we know whether people are going to get out of that rip? If they're going to hear about that they're in it? Because people don't recognise that they're in it. You see, if you know that, the most loving thing you can do is explain how to get out of it. That is the most loving thing you can do. You see, if we were on the side there and we saw Chris was out there and thought, oh, well, that's his fault, bad luck, mate. You should have known the signs. You should have seen the signs. You should have looked the warning signs. You should have worked that out, mate. You should not have gone in the water. Just pff, see you later. If people don't hear about Jesus, then the chances are that they're going to be stuck in that rip forever and eternity. So Paul's saying to Timothy, don't be timid, mate. You have the power of the Spirit within you and you can have the confidence that it's only that Jesus saves. So go and do it, mate. Get out there. Go and tell people. Be excited about it. Uh, how excited. Chris was really excited that he was saved. And he thanked us. And he thanked us. And he keeps thanking us whenever we see him. He is so thankful that his life is no longer there. 
We should be like that to Jesus and be thankful that he's pulled us out. Thankful for the people that have told us about that and think about the people that we want to tell us that they can be thankful too. That's what Paul wants to encourage us to do. That's what I want to encourage you to do. When we leave here, please keep on having your confidence in Jesus and Jesus alone and telling people about it because they're stuck in the rip if they don't hear about it. And Evans Head, as gorgeous as it is, our beaches have got rips in it everywhere and our communities have rips in it everywhere and we see it daily when we talk to people. Lives are in destruction and being destroyed all around us. And people are heading out in that rip and they don't even know it. Please have that confidence because only Jesus can save. He's the only saviour because he's the only one who's been through life and death and risen again. He's the only one that lived the perfect life because he is God with us. He is the perfect. He is the one that God sent, the perfect one, to be the sacrifice for us. The only one that could do that. No one else and nothing else can do that for us. He's given that to us, hasn't he? In Jesus, he's the only one, by his purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. This has been God's plan from the very beginning. And he wants us to be part of that and be confident in that. But not only has he given us the confidence because of who Jesus is, but also he's brought to life and light, everlasting life, hasn't he? But he has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who's destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. We now know what life is and we now know what immortality is, all because of Jesus. And so we can have the confidence to go out and live that. Not only do we know the truth and see the truth, but we experience it in Jesus as well. The life and eternity comes to light and life in us when we believe this. We actually get to live it out as well. You see, it's not all pie in the sky when you die for Christians. It's actually on the ground too. It's about living now. You see, Paul says to us, he has saved us and called us to a holy life. Do you know what your purpose here on earth is? To live a holy life. And what's a holy life? It's a life lived with Jesus as your king, as a Jesus who directs everything that you do. That's what a holy life is, a life that's lived out the way that Jesus would want us to live, us out, live it out. And Jesus tells us uh, two great things, I think, that help us to fit that together as well. He gives us the great commandment and he gives us the great commission. Does anyone know what the great commandment is? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love others as yourself. Who knows what the Great Commission is? Go out into all the world making disciples of me and teaching them everything that you've shown me to do. It's the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. That's what Jesus has told us to do. That is the summary of what Jesus tells us how to live to love God with everything that we are, to love others as, as ourselves and then to go out and share that and encourage others to do the same. So that's why our, this is what our mission statement is. That's where our mission statement comes from. That's where we came from. It wasn't just that we made it up. That's where we got it from. We are seeking to love. We are people seeking to love Jesus, each other, our community, our world and help others do the same. That's what your purpose here on earth is, people. 
is to go and do that. And I want to encourage you to do that here now. Next, not next week, the week after, I'm going to do the second part of it. This week, I want to encourage you to love God with all that you are and love others to do that. And that is to live as Jesus would have us to live here and now. Who's got the, a band called WWJD? Anyone got that? It was really popular many years ago. Deb's got one on now, okay. What would Jesus do? Now, that was a great little saying and a very catchy saying and good for its time, but it's flawed in one sense. It's flawed because none of you are Jesus. None of you are God incarnate. None of you follow God perfectly. None of you have the power of Jesus specifically because none of you are God on, on earth. None of you are actually him incarnate. Yes, we have the power of spirit within us, but we're not Jesus here. So there are some things that we do, that Jesus did, that we will not and cannot do because we're not God. So when you come up to a person and you know that they're sick and they've been bleeding for 22 years, you're not going to know that. And you won't be able to, in a sense, heal them because of that. I mean, don't tell me there's healing now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to jump too far. Uh, but what I'm saying to you is that WWJD was helpful but not actually technically correct because you can't be Jesus. You don't have the insight that Jesus has. You don't have the power specifically Jesus. You, you cannot. We can't. We're not God here on earth. But what we can do and what the Bible does encourage us to do is to be thinking about what would Jesus have you do? Have me do? Because Jesus is our king. And as a king, we are to live for him the way that he would want us to live. So that's how we can think about how we live to love God and love others well, is to start thinking about what would Jesus have me do? W-W-J-H-M-D. How's that? And you can get a bracelet like that too, you know. There's marketing everywhere, isn't there? Christian marketing is taking over the world. I reckon that's a great question. As we think about living a holy life, a life that God wants us to live, a life of light and brings eternity into light, when we come to that, if we ask that question before we made decisions, I reckon we'd be heading towards that holy life. Uh, often, you know, when you talk to people and yeah, particularly kids and teenagers and even adults sometimes, you say, why did you do that? Why did you do that particular action? Well, they say, well, you know, everyone else is doing it. Uh-uh. Bad move. Don't think about what you do, but does everyone else do it? Ask the question, what would Jesus have me do in this circumstance? How can I love that person better in this circumstance in that conversation how can I love that person in that conversation in that gossip how do I love that person better when there's gossip happening all around me how do I love people better when they put in front of me or encourage me to look at porn when the website comes up and shunts it up in front of me and it's there I'm watching YouTube suddenly bang there's a clip right there that says come on watch me watch me watch me come on come on Great question to ask. What would Jesus have me do before I think, click? I've been getting emails recently and I don't know the people that are sending them to me because what they say in those emails, they say, why didn't you tell me about what you did on the other day? And the spelling is terrible. Ah, you think, I wonder what this is. Don't click. Don't click. What would Jesus have me do? I'm down at the pub, we're having a few beers, it's going really well, having a great time with the mates, fourth beer, fifth beer, 
over a four-hour period, uh, and you're there and you're thinking, I could go another. I could go another. Before long, I could go another, and then I've got to find a taxi or ride a bike and crash it. Or what would Jesus have me do? He probably would be at a pub drinking with people down there. But what would he have you do when you're there? What would Jesus have me do when I think about the next job I've got to go for? The next job I'm going to go for, uh, it's going to be great pay, it's going to be excellent for the future, it's going to set me up for all these things, but I'm going to be away from the family three nights of the week, I'm not going to be able to get to gospel community and Sundays are going to be compromised because I'm going to be away travelling a bit. What would Jesus have me do in that circumstance? You see, Jesus, Paul, they want us to live godly lives, holy lives. I think it's a great question for us to ask, isn't it, as we think about how that works. If we've got confidence in what Jesus has done for us, if our confidence level has been increased, then we want to have confidence to live that out because we want to know it and experience it. And if you want to experience the power of that, then ask that question before you make decisions. As you think about what you're on about, think about that great commission, the great commandment to love God with all of your heart, to love others with all you are, and then take that out and disciple people so that they do the same. Then you'll see the power of the gospel. You'll experience the power of the gospel when you start living out the power of the gospel the way that God wants you to in that holy life. And as you experience it, then you'll grow in confidence in it. When we know it, when we experience it, then our confidence grows. That's what Paul wants to encourage you with this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus yet, then can I encourage you to put your trust in him? Because he's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can pull you out of that rip and he'll put you on solid ground. He'll put you in relationship with him. He'll put you in relationship with others so you can love him and love others. He'll give you a purpose to live a holy life so you can go out and live that and as you experience that, you'll feel the power and know the power of the gospel and it will transform and change your life. Talk to people around you who have experienced that. Ask them about it. Jesus saves and Jesus transforms. If you do know that and you have put your trust in that, then this morning I pray that God, as he's spoken to you through, your, through his word, if you've looked at what Paul is saying to Timothy, that you have felt that, that your confidence that Jesus is the only one that saves and has saved you has grown, that your level is moving up. You may not be on the high yet, but I want to encourage you to get to that stage, knowing that Jesus and only Jesus saves, and then experience that as you start thinking about living that life out, that holy life, Start asking that question, what would Jesus have me do before every decision you make? Because that's what Paul wants to encourage us, doesn't he? If we know the truth, if we've experienced the truth, we'll have confidence to share that with everyone. I pray that's the case for you this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, Lord, we want to say sorry. There are times when we really do feel ashamed. There's times when we have been timid. There have been times when we've stepped back 
There's times we've stepped back from you. There's times we've stepped back from others because we've felt unsure, Lord. Father, we're sorry. Please forgive us. But Lord, we thank you that we can have confidence in you because you are the only one who saves, Lord, and that we've heard that this morning. Lord, it's only in Jesus that we have life now and eternity. Lord, it's only in Jesus that we are in relationship with you now and forever. It's only in Jesus we have the sin in our life that Rip dealt with and restored to you. It's only in Jesus, Lord, that we have a purpose in life to live a holy life, Lord. A life lived out for you. Heavenly Father, we pray by the power of your spirit that you've given us when we trust and believe in you, the power of the spirit that is not timid, but a power of the spirit that is of love and self-discipline. That's your power, Lord, within us. We pray that that will engender, that your spirit will engender within us a confidence in that message, a confidence to experience that and live that and share that, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that we'll never shrink back from that. We pray by your spirit that you'll encourage us in that, Lord. We pray that by your people around us that we'll encourage each other in that, Lord. And as we do that, Lord, our confidence in you will grow and we'll experience that more and more. And, Lord, we will see your kingdom grow, see your kingdom transform people and people transform to know you and love you and live for you, Lord. We pray these things in the beautiful and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.